Well, as I mentioned, in God's providence, here we are on the last Lord's Day of 2021. And we have come to Ephesians 6, verse 10. And it's a verse in God's word, and there are several, but it's a verse in God's word that begins with the word, finally. Finally. And of course, that means that Paul here has come to the end of his letter. He still has some very wonderful things to say and encouraging things to say. But he's basically come to the end of his letter. And so this word, finally, is a summing up word. It's a concluding word. It's a after everything else I have said kind of word. Finally. It literally means what remains. And so now what remains to be said in Paul's letter to the Ephesians and in God's word here to us. And so we've come, and some of you may say finally, to the finally part of these sermons on Ephesians. I want you to think back over this letter to the Ephesians that we've been considering for so many weeks together. And I wonder if when you have heard the high calling of the Christian life that Paul has been writing here, have you ever said, I can't do it? Especially in the second part of Ephesians, when Paul has spoken about this call to unity, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's spoken about Unity in the church, purity, maturity. He's gone over the spirit-filled life, which is a life of biblical worship, a life of continual gratitude, a life of humble, unselfish, other-focused submission. As you remember, not that long ago in Ephesians, the word of God to husbands and wives, to parents and children, most recently to slaves and masters, as we considered what God calls us to as we work in the world. Have you ever wondered who can really do it? Or more personally, how can I do it? Well, here is Paul's final word. After all that, he said all that, he's written all that. Now, finally, what's he going to say? And in another respect, here we are, as I mentioned, at the end of another year, the last Lord's Day of 2021. And at the end of the year, usually and helpfully, it's a time for people to look back at that year. We should do that on a day like today. We should look back over the past year 
And in some sense, say of that year, today as the last Lord's Day in 2021, finally. After all that's happened now, finally, what remains to be said? After all that this past year has held for us, it's not just this past year, it's really our our whole lives, isn't it? Through that past year of 2021 to bring us to today. After all that this past year and our past lives have held for us, what are we to say? After another year of COVID, finally, what are we going to say? Maybe it's a birth in the family over this past year. Or a death in the family. Or several deaths in the family. Finally. For many of you, it was another semester in school. Finally. It's your job this past year. Maybe a new job, a different job, finally. Relationships that were formed this past year, marriages, proposals of marriage, friendships, finally. Some relationships were ended in one way or another. And we've come this morning, finally. We've made good decisions and bad decisions. Finally, there have been joyful family times and very hard family times. Finally, some have been restored to health, others have had their health decline. Now here we are, finally. After all the things that have happened in your life to this day, and all the things that are happening in the church and our congregation to this day, and all the things that have been transpiring in the world all around us, We've come to today, and the Apostle Paul, God through the Apostle Paul, says to us, finally, what remains to be said? But of course, when the Apostle Paul said finally in his letter, it was the close of that letter. But for us, even as we mark the end of a year and in one sense look back, and the closing of that year is a kind of finally in our lives, life goes on. Some things may stay the same. Many, if not most things, will change in all kinds of directions and ways as we live our lives in this world. Only the Lord knows the end from the beginning. And so this finally stands at that pivot point, that fulcrum, that crossroads. Finally, at the end of Ephesians, 
But in your life, on the last Lord's Day of another year, looking back on your life and looking ahead into that future known only to God, finally, what remains to be said? Ephesians 6.10. Such a wonderful help and encouragement from God to his people as well as a tremendous challenge to us and a call to us as we live our Christian lives. With all that has happened as we come finally to the end of this year and step into a new year for as many days as the Lord may give you, here is a word from God for you. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power. What a word. You look back. You're here, finally. Be strong. Who knows what's coming down the road? Be strong. What an amazing word God has for us this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Here is a biblical call to be strong. There are three words in this one verse with all that similar sense. Strength, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Strength, might, power. One French version that I looked has Fortifiez-vous, to fortify, to be strong. And it's in many places in the word of God that we have a call to be strong. Life requires strength. Doesn't it? In all kinds of ways, life requires strength. And the Christian life especially requires great fortitude. Have I not commanded you? The Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? We need to be strong. We're called to be strong. We're commanded to be strong. And especially as Christians. Strength to battle the world, the flesh, the devil. No more powerful enemies exist than the spiritual enemies of our soul. My enemies, like dogs at night, return. We sang it. That's the spiritual battle we're in. And the strength we need to worship and to pray and to serve and to give. Do you really have the strength for all that? 
even something as basic as prayer. Don't you often, not just know, but don't you often feel Romans 8, 26? For we do not know how to pray as we should. People say you need to be praying. We know we need to be praying. And sometimes we just say, I don't even know how to pray anymore. It's the person who really understands the life that God calls us to live, who says with the Apostle Paul, and who is equal to such a task? 2 Corinthians 2.16. I wonder if you felt strong this past year. Perhaps you have in different ways. But I suspect that many, if not most, of us have experienced in one way or another just how weak we are. Maybe that's been shown in your own life. Maybe it's been revealed in the life of someone you love, someone who's close to you. But you have been shown and proven and demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt just how weak we really are. Isn't it true that the Lord could touch our lives, our circumstances, our bodies in a thousand ways to show us instantly how vulnerable and frail and weak we really are? We need to know that. I remember watching a documentary of uh, the training of Navy SEALs years ago, Special Forces soldiers in the United States. And a Navy SEAL instructor who was speaking uh, to young and often arrogant recruits, young men in the prime of their lives and in the peak of their physical strength, and he was doing his utmost to urge upon them humility. And he said, you think that you are strong. You think you can do anything, but once you get in the ocean, you'll realize how small you really are. To bring it closer to home, my father was eventually confined to a hospital bed in my parents' house. So weak. My mom said every young person should spend an hour here at his bedside to see what human strength really is or isn't. But that understanding of physical strength and weakness is a small picture of a much greater reality spiritual strength, and spiritual weakness. When God created Adam, our first father was perfect physically and also spiritually. He was spiritually fit as a fiddle. But then sin came into the world. Adam sinned. 
and add and and sin saps strength. In fact, sin kills. The wages of sin is death in God's universe because he's holy. We became, through Adam's fall into sin, spiritually unable to please the holy God who requires perfect obedience for his blessing. He wouldn't be good if he didn't. And this is our great problem as we're born into the world as sinners. Ephesians 2.10, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. If you live, and even if you die, perhaps in top physical condition, you're a sinner. And you have no spiritual strength or merit to stand before the holy God in judgment. You will not stand. You will fall. But here is the amazing good news of the Bible. Every other man-made religion in the world requires something for people to do. In their own strength, in whole or in part, to somehow get to God or paradise or heaven or whatever they call it. Every other religion says, don't do this, do this, a list of rules or commandments that you must try to do. But friends, Christianity, the true religion of the Bible, does not require any good work from people themselves in order to be forgiven and right with God. And that is such good news because we don't have the strength to obey God perfectly. Listen to Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time, while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. All other religions, even some religions that call themselves Christian, Call for strength from you. Strength to do this good work, to pray this much, or to fast this often, to go here, to go there, or the strength not to do this or that or the other thing. But the Bible tells us that that is not the way to God. And that is such good news. Because the way of fallen human strength is a spiritual dead end. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And so as we have this theme of strength before us this morning, the first thing that we need to do is just to admit who we are. Not merely as creatures, finite creatures, but as fallen sinners and rebels against God, that we have no strength whatsoever to stand before the holy God in and of ourselves. And just admit it. To say from the heart 
with the psalm writer in Psalm 88, verse 4, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. One writer said, one of the things that makes the gospel of Christ unique is that it does not address itself to any kind of strength in us. And that is its strength. It is good news for those who have no strength. It provides and supplies all that is needed to save weak, helpless sinners. God does not bargain with us by saying, I will do a certain amount if you will complete the work. There is no such proposal anywhere in the Bible. The good news is someone else has done the work. The one who is called the stronger man in Luke 11. It's Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, God, the son, born in Bethlehem, the God man. Luke 2.40, and the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Christ grew physically in strength, but so much more significantly, he was perfectly strong spiritually. He had no sin, no sin. But then we read, don't we, in the Bible, Strangely, at first glance, he dies the cursed death of the cross, of which the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, for to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. How did the spiritually strong Jesus die in weakness? It was our weakness. It was our sin. The sin of his people. The penalty that they deserved was laid on him as he suffered and was forsaken by his father. Psalm 88 that I mentioned already is really speaking about Jesus. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Crucified in weakness. And the writer to the Hebrews explains, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Not because the devil is almighty, because he knows the condemnation that comes with sin and the fear of death and condemnation that he can exploit in people who don't know a savior. Jesus, who was crucified in weakness, but on the third day he was raised from the dead, who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to read Ephesians 6 verse 10 very carefully. Be strong. Finally, 
be strong. But in the original, that is a passive verb. The grammar is important. Literally, be strengthened. That's called the divine passive. Who's really doing it? By whom are we to be strengthened? By God in Christ. Finally, be strong. Don't ever stop there. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is the great key to strength as a Christian. To know that the strength we need is not found in us natively, but in the Lord. I am the vine, said Jesus. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we think of strength, we need to, we need to jump ahead in our lives. Strength, most importantly, to face death. We need to think carefully about that as well. We may not face dying very strongly, even as a Christian. But in Christ, we can face death. We can face the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment and have the strength in the blood and righteousness of Christ to stand. I've mentioned it before, I... It's such a helpful, insightful saying. Some people may conquer dying. There are unbelievers, there are atheists who die very bravely, very calmly. What do you do with that? Some people may conquer dying, but only Christ has conquered death. Because the sting of death is sin and the law judgment. We need to to remember that that's the strength. That's where that strength ultimately will be required and given to stand in the judgment. But Paul is writing to Christians as they live their lives here in the world, isn't he? God's word is coming to you as you live your life in this world until that day. And the call is the same. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember Paul's prayer earlier in the letter. Same three words, interestingly, as in 6.10. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glory and her- glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power For us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Same words. But the power is God's power. Those three words, power, might, strength, are so often found in the Bible in doxologies about God in speaking about who God is. All power and strength and might belong to him. 1 Samuel 15, 29, God is called the strength of Israel. 
the strength of Israel. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 6.10 probably takes about five minutes to memorize. And it can take a whole life to understand. To really understand what it means to be strong in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord. We can get off track in lots of ways in this area. Because it's one of those great gospel paradoxes. Strength and weakness. I'm called to be strong, but I'm weak. How can I be strong in the Lord? He's strong. How does that all work? You know, the Apostle Paul, when people think of him often, even Christians, I think that they just see some kind of Superman in the faith. They probably even see a cape on him or something. There's too much superhero mindset, even in the church today, in our culture. The Apostle Paul was unimpressive. That's what you get when you read carefully the New Testament. He was unimpressive. He was a mess physically. He was weak in speech. He wasn't a great orator. He was weak in personality. He was often fearful. He was almost completely unimpressive. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. We must, beloved, constantly be learning and relearning what the Apostle Paul learned from God. That well-known passage, but a key passage in 2 Corinthians 12, There was given me a thorn in my flesh to combat his pride, his temptation to pride. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my Strengths, weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Those are things that just made this truth so clear to the Apostle Paul. For when I am weak... Then I'm strong. That's the great gospel paradox that we can forget so quickly. Be strong. I just, I'm not feeling the strength. It comes in your weakness. It comes in your weakness. And in your weakness, you're made strong. Again, you can memorize the words in five minutes. This takes a lifetime to learn and to appreciate. Spiritual strength is in the Lord. It is not about our strength. It's about his. 
a Christian, listen, a Christian on a hospital bed may be stronger than a Super Bowl quarterback. A believing child has more spiritual strength than an atheistic university professor. And that is by design. That is by design. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Our strength is in the Lord for his glory. It is looking to the Lord. It is trusting the Lord. And when you do, there is strength for all the aspects of the Christian life. You will have the strength in the Lord by his mighty power. Strength for loneliness and all kinds of earthly trials. 2 Timothy 4, 17, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Puritan William Gurnall, who wrote The Christian in Complete Armor, over 2,000 pages on Ephesians 6, 10 and following. He says, we are given in the gospel strength to trust even in a withdrawing God. When God doesn't seem to be near. And then he went on to say, even a killing God. Yea, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Job thirteen fifteen. Think of Daniel's friends. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Strength for trials of every kind, even to continue to trust a withdrawing and even a killing God. Strength for service. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. 1 Peter 4.11 Strength for ministry. 1 Timothy 1.12 I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, who has given me strength, appointing me to his service. Strength for evangelism. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah, Acts 9.22. And here's one of the greatest things you need strength for in the Christian life and that I need strength for in the Christian life. Contentment. Contentment. Because it's contentment that is the context of Paul's most well-known, perhaps, words on strength. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Strength for patience. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. And then you're, you're waiting for what? For what, Paul? For what? What are you going to do? Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. For what? Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. That's what takes strength. That's what takes strength. And we don't have it in and of ourselves. But God is glorified when we look to him. And he enables us unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Because that's how the strength comes. It comes by faith. It comes by looking away from yourself and your weakness to the Lord. Abraham, Romans 4.20, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. It comes by grace. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. And so strength by the means of grace, worship, prayer, sacraments, Don't be surprised if you neglect the means of grace and discover that you're not strong in grace. Strengthened by Scripture. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua 1. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from to the right or to the left. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And in it all, the great source of strength is Emmanuel, God with us. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm weak, but he is strong. We are weak when we are alone. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Haggai 2.4. The Lord's with us. That's why even as we think of the means of grace and the way that we become strong through the means of grace and worship and prayer and scripture, public worship, the sacraments. There are times legitimately where in God's providence, we are not able to avail ourselves of those things. Is there still strength for us? There is in our private worship and in our prayer and in our reading of scripture. What if it gets to the point where you just can't read the Bible anymore? And you can't remember scripture that you've memorized once as a young person. 
where you don't have the strength to pray anymore. What then? Where's your strength then? Underneath are the everlasting arms. We don't save ourselves. Isn't that good news? When our bodies are so weak, when our minds go, is there still hope for a Christian? Yes, because God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And underneath are the everlasting arms. So God is glorified. William Gurnall, again, is just so helpful and so honest. In that same book, The Christian in Complete Armor, he says, when people hear, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Gurnall says, but, but, says some disconsolate Christian. I have prayed again and again for strength. And to this day, my hands are weak. All the preachers do but flatter me who pour their oil of comfort on my head and tell me that I will eventually conquer these enemies of mine and see that joyful day in which I shall sing with David to the Lord for delivering me out of the hands of my enemies. I have prayed for strength for a particular duty and I find I come off as weakly and as dead-heartedly as before. If God be with me by his mighty power to help me, why then has all this befallen me? Isn't that a wise physician of the soul who knows to say something like that to a Christian? Well, he gives quite a few pages in answer. I won't tell you all. You should read it yourself. But he says, we often look at the front door for the blessing, and the blessing may come in the back door. A blessing you don't realize in your life when you're crying out for strength that you don't seem to be receiving. A blessing you don't realize in your life. Remember, God's strength occurs with and in our weakness. Even in seemingly unanswered prayer, what has your weakness worked in your soul by God's grace? Is there a more intense looking to Christ for help? Is there a deeper dependence upon God? Is there a greater sense of the need of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Is there a more passionate, almost desperate prayer life? Is there more thanks, more, more gratitude for mercies and gifts and answers to prayer that come from God? Is there a deeper awareness of the necessity of union with Christ? I'm the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Aren't those blessings? Isn't that a greater maturity in your Christian life? Even as your eyes search for the strength and it seems not to be there, you're growing. You're growing more than you know. And that brings glory to God. We are on dangerous ground spiritually when we feel, when we feel strong. I think I, I'm not ashamed to say, 
We are on dangerous ground spiritually when we feel strong. That is pride more than piety. By Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. Psalm 30, verse 7. Oh, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Look to him. Finally. Finally, after all that Paul has said in Ephesians, after all that has happened to us thus far in our lives, and in the face of all that may yet come, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And let the words of Isaiah 40 wash over your soul. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.